This is the Canicurio podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license news directly from the data vault. So welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Ed Keating. And on today's show, we're joined by Jim Thomas, Vice President Sales and Marketing at ASTM. Jim, welcome Good. to the show. Thank you so much, Ed. Good to be here. Appreciate the time. Excellent. Excellent. So sort of a simple question, but a very fundamental one. What does ASTM stand for? Well, at, at one point, if you're talking about the acronym, at one point it was the American Society of Testing Materials. Uh, that's when it originated back in 1898. It was, um, it was really created to help with the, um, the railroad system in the United States. I think the first standards were in, in the area of steel. Uh, over the years, the name is not any longer the American Society of Testing Materials. The official name is now ASTM International. And that was for a lot of different reasons, but to prove that ASTM is truly a standards, uh, international standards development organization, instead of putting an I in front of our name, we put the I at the end. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we're at with that. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, I guess sort of like uh, how the AARP is now just the AARP. So, um, you know, just uh, things change with time, Ed, you know? That's right, got, got to stay current, got to stay current. So um, bringing it to the our space, how did you and ASTM get involved in the cannabis space? Because as I recollect, you started early on. Like it's, it's not like something you just, you know, picked up uh, a few, a few years ago. Yeah. I think, um, well, early on at this point is, uh, within the last five years. Right. So, yeah. um, I believe it was either 2016 or 17. I can't remember what year it was, but, um, at our board of directors meeting, it was a, a pretty long debate. You know, I've been at, uh, ASTM for 16 years now. I think I've worked with the board of directors probably 10 of those 16 years. And I can say that the conversation around whether ASTM should be involved in uh, cannabis uh, was the most um, interesting conversation that I've ever been part of and all the issues that we face. You know, we represent 148 different industries at ASTM International. Mm. And I, I'd say that, you know, the conversations are always high level with our board of directors, but this one took on a whole different kind of feeling. Mm. And probably an hour and a half after the conversation was started, um, a vote was taken. And the vote came out that the organization was going to support a uh, technical committee, uh, D37, on uh, cannabis activities. And it was done for a number of reasons. It was done because it's a public safety issue. Uh, the industry needs standards to be safe and successful. Um, and, you know, we had a very good advocate for the program. He, he was either chairman of the board or on our executive committee of the board, Ralph Paroli, Dr. Ralph Paroli, up from the uh, uh, NRC Canada National, National Resource Council, I believe it stands for. But he did a really great job advocating for why ASTM in our 100 plus year history should be part of this evolution that's happening in the world in the cannabis space. So it was really exciting. I, I you know, got a lot of different perspectives from people. Um, some of them were reefer madness issues. Uh, others were just, you know, how's it going to work with yep. it being a schedule one uh, illegal type thing? How are we going to do this in our, you know, in our workflow? And, and right. So, so Jim, um, as somebody who used to work at a trade association and had to deal with the board, sometimes going from Translating what happens at the board meeting to the membership level uh, can sometimes have challenges. And, and I'm curious, you know, how have the members embraced it and what is their role? Are there a lot of people involved in it, in committees and whatnot, or, you know, do yeah. people have a hands-off kind of view? 
No, no, I got to tell you, it, in, in my 16 years and probably in the history of ASTM, I don't know of a technical committee that has evolved, developed uh, so quickly as uh, Committee D37. I think to date we have over 1,200 uh, volunteers wow. all over the world. It's probably, I can't think of another committee that has like grown so quickly with so much energy. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is you have people from all walks of the business. Um, you have people that have been in the business one way or another for the last 30 years. You mm-hmm. have current multi-state operators. You have regulators. You have people that are dealing with, um, you know, small mom and pop shops. You have CBD. You have hemp. You have THC. Uh-huh. You have vape pens. You have literally everything that you can imagine because it's important that the industry has really scientific data and and trusted industry-driven standards to make the to make it a, a safe and competitive you know, safe industry globally. Great. Now, um, as you were teaching me a little bit about how ASTM works, you pointed out that with the cannabis space, you're taking a different approach where you're actually working with other standards bodies and associations in in the space and and what's that been like because that sounds like that's kind of a unique approach uh different from how uh standards are often uh created and uh implemented yeah that's a that's a great question um so you know our our committee d37 is doing really fantastic work they're putting out test methods they're putting out standards a lot of work items in place but for a fledgling industry like the cannabis industry that we're talking about here you're gonna need all kinds of people participating in its growth. So for example, there are other organizations out there that are developing standards in this space. It's it's almost like I shouldn't be saying that because I should just be talking about ASTM, right? But um, that's not not practical. We live in a world where it's a multiple path approach to standards. um, And we have to recognize that other organizations are going to be creating valuable content in their wheelhouse. So for example, the uh, Illuminating Engineering Society, they're developing standards around lighting systems for gross, for more effective uh, lighting and energy consumption. American Waterworks Association has a document that's being referenced um, for obviously uh, water related yeah. issues. ISO, you've all heard of ISO, is one of the biggest standards developing organizations in the world. Uh, they're currently working on a, a technical committee to deal with, um, I believe, sustainability among, among other things. So, you know, as I'm reading the the roadmap, if you, if you will, for other successful industries, take oil and gas, for example, one of the industries that's the most heavily regulated on the planet. Um, they have multiple standards organizations that need to yeah. be involved in order to make it a sustain, safe and sustainable industry. So, you know, from my perspective, ASTM is a great player uh, in, in the cannabis space. We're working on not just standards, but proficiency testing programs. We're working on training. We're working on certifications. Uh, and then we're partnering with other organizations to talk about, you know, how do we get your niche product that you're focusing on? Like I said, we we represent 148 different industries, so we can't be all things to all people. Right, right. We're, we're partnering with different people like Greenflower in the training space. Um, you know, we're partnering with, uh, you know, a number of other different organizations in the space just to try to get more content out there because the industry is going to need it. And the industry industry is going to need it because eventually it will be federally legal across the board. And you know when that happens, it's gonna to be top down and you want to show that the industry can regulate itself, that it's working towards safety, that it's working towards sustainability. And to do that, you have to incorporate 
voluntary consensus standards. And I believe it's going to come from a, or, you know, multiple organizations, not just AST. So, so Jim, you sort of hit to my next question, which is, you know, what happens or what's the risk to the industry if standards are not embraced and enforced? Because it sounds like if the industry can sort of regulate itself or show that it's perhaps a good citizen, I don't know if that's the right term, that the federal regulatory uh, approach might be different. I don't know if, I'm not gonna say it's gonna be hands off, but you know, what, what happens if they, if they don't uh, embrace these standards now? Like what does the future look like? You talked about sort of that roadmap, like I imagine there's two roadmaps, one it's embraced, the other it's not. What happens if, if industry doesn't embrace it or says, eh, we don't wanna regulate that yet or, or follow that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've seen it <laughs> for all the years I've been in, in, in this industry, whether it's working through a commercial aggregator, um, whether it's been at, at ASCM, um, it doesn't matter really what people want or, or don't want. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, you have to do this. You have to have a product that's tested to these standards. You're going to deal with state regulations. You're going to deal with local laws. You're going to deal with federal and, you know, in my experience working in all these different industries is that there should be a partnership between government and industry and you know, voluntary consensus standards organizations, because what you don't want to have happen if I'm the cannabis industry is you don't want somebody that's just working for a government agency, putting what they think is the best thing for the industry out there. You want to have a collaborative effort, meaning that let's just, let's just say you're taking, talking about heavy metal contaminants or something like that. There could be multiple organizations out there that are developing industry uh, standards right now. It could be a trade association. It could be a mm -hmm. standards body. It could be somebody who's been in the business for a number of years that has a really great scientific, uh, you know, output that they're they're looking to have. But what has to happen is there has to be some kind of consensus in that this is the best for this state, this locality. This is the best for at a at a federal level. Um, so I, I think it's important to have that kind of private government partnership, um, because a lot of times what happens is in the Code of Federal Regulations, for example, um, they will write some kind of regulation and inevitably there will be a reference to an external document. Sometimes it's ASTM, sometimes it's ICC, sometimes it's NFPA, you know, what have you. And that's done so that the government doesn't have to recreate the wheel over and over again when they're right. dealing with specific issues. So uh, my only advice to people is, if you, if you think that you're doing it your own way right now, you're making money, you're not worried about, I don't know, lab shopping or, you know, all the different things that uh, we, we hear in the, in the industry right now, you should be worried because inevitably, inevitably the, the rules and regulations will come. All it takes is one death, one injury, one, another major recall, like we've seen in multiple states, the state I'm living in Pennsylvania, you know, we have a, right. uh, a recall that happened and I have one of the uh, and I'm, I'm a medical marijuana um, you know, patient here in the state of Pennsylvania and one of the things that I have has been recalled now as a person who's in the industry when I look at that I recognize that potentially they're right potentially they're not right because there's a percentage that changed and you know who tested it how many people have talked about it? I mean there's just so many questions that I think that people would have um, based on on, on you know, the, the percentages that changed, you know, really in a, in a short period of time. So right. I won't get into that because I'm not going to like, you know, libel myself or anything because I'm not a scientist. But, you know, the interesting thing is I think that there's going to be a tremendous amount of questions that don't have answers. And that's what I'm most worried about, about this it, with, for this industry. If we don't start taking seriously the role of standards and the importance of standards in this industry, 
then it's going to happen. And somebody you don't want developing the rules is going to be doing it. And then you're going to wonder why, you know, you're not able to do what you used to be able to do before it was regulated. You know, right. less doesn't last forever. <laughs> so, so Jim, in terms of the government or the regulator, you know, what, I guess they can take many roles, but as I was thinking through this, are they an you know, they can be an author, you know, often of regulations, they can be an enforcer, but it sounds like they can also be a validator uh, where they can, you know, point to those outside standards and say, you know, this is the law of the land. Is that often how it works across those three roles? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really, historically, it's a good, it's a good partnership, public, private, government, you know, the, the whole thing. And that, that came about after, I believe, the COTS initiative happened, commercial off the shelf, where the government wasn't making all of their own, you know, standards for hammers and toilet seats and all that. Um, and they started looking more to, towards the voluntary consensus uh, community um, mm -hmm. so that they can get things done quicker and more efficiently and, and save our tax dollars. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting over the years to see, because right now there is no uh, one master, right? So FDA has a part, USP has a part, USDA has a part. Um, and then in each state, if you look, and uh, we've, we've done some work for a uh, laboratory directory um, in the medical marijuana space, uh, it was a really hard thing to do to find in each state, I think there's 37 right now, if I'm not mistaken, medical marijuana uh, approved states. Mm. Uh, and each one of them is governed by a different entity. You know, it, I, it's it's really hard to find who's allowed to do what where because it's all growing so rapidly. But from a public safety and reliability standpoint, you know, we got to start moving to some, some transparency in this because, you know, a lack of transparency is going to be a big problem for the industry in, in due time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, sort of putting the focus back on uh, ASTM for uh, a minute, you, know, you talked about some work with labs. I, I, I'm curious, sort of what, what has ASTM created in the space so far with those 1,200 volunteers and those relationships with, uh, with, with other uh, organizations? Yeah, they've done a real good job. As I said, the D37 committee, um, especially the, the management team around the D37 committee, they're really experienced and they bring a lot of, uh, you know, great industry knowledge to, to the committees. Um, you know, ASTM has been able to create a microsite. Uh, the site is astmcannabis.org. And on that microsite, we talk about not just the standards that we're developing, but as I mentioned before, our proficiency testing programs, our certification programs, um, all of those are listed on the, on the microsite that we have. Uh, and then we also do some, um, you know, some training seminars, webinars, things like that. So, um, I think to date, there's probably eight work items, um, mm. I believe, in process right now. Um, I think a few of the standards have already been published. But once again, um, it's a newer committee. And the, the cycle for developing standards could be anywhere from 12 to, to 24 months. So they're doing a real good job with what they're putting out right now. But there's more to come because what the industry needs is the full circle type perspective. It's not just standards that you need. It's to be able to make sure your laboratories know how to test specific things that the new people coming into the industry, because let's be honest, it's the highest, fastest growing industry that the country's seen I, 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 ever, potentially. I mean, 500,000 new jobs in this space, and you have people coming from all different walks of life. So how are you training these people? How are you training this new workforce when there are no rules? There are no regulations at that type of level. You know, right. sure, you have 
OSHA requirements and you know different things like that. But in, in reality, it's all new. It's really well, all new. Right. Well, the, topically and locally uh, here in Connecticut, where I am, there's just a few labs that do cannabis testing. And the regulations in this state are you need a CSL or controlled substances license. That's pretty much the threshold. And uh, most of the people who have those in Connecticut are uh, police labs or universities. And you take those out and you're pretty much left with two. What came to light recently is the two labs were certified by the state that it was okay to essentially have different standards. Uh, I think for a type of mold, aspergillus perhaps, I can't remember which one it was. And people were kind of shocked, like, well, which lab do I use then? And, and, and you know, how could that be all right? And you know, is this a kind of uh, uh, behavior we can expect or, or, or side effects we can uh, uh, expect if there aren't clear standards, you know, nationally or through uh, an association such as ASTM? Well, the other thing too, is I would ask if those labs are accredited by an accreditation body like ANAB, and mm. ANAB. Um, they're accrediting uh, laboratories in the cannabis space now. So these are the types of things where it's, why it's very dangerous from state to state. It changes, the, the, the rules change from state to state, but what's happening is established businesses like ANSI, ANAB, when they accredit a lab, it's for public safety. It's for people to understand that this lab is accredited, it's got the credentials, it's got whatever it needs to be able to be an operator in this space. You should feel good that you're working with a lab that has the proper credentials. Right. So, you know, each state has to realize that. And you know, from my experience being in this uh, industry and now for the last several years, and I'm coming at, at it from a different perspective, I'm coming at it from standards. Right. People are now talking about um, adult use. They're talking about vape pens. They're talking about whatever, you know, the latest and greatest new uh, consumable type type thing is. Mm -hmm. And that's all well and good. And people are making money. Right. And that's that's fine. But in the background, you need to have people working on the science part. You have to have people working on the safety, the, the, the safety of uh, transportation. How long should something be on a shelf? You know, all the different things that right now are different from state to state. And at some point, it would be great if, you know, like they did for alcohol. I believe a lot of the things from the ATF are done at a federal level. You know, you have state different rules of when your liquor store can be open and you can buy it in a supermarket as opposed to a state store. But, you know, at some point in this industry, if it's going to be successful and profitable for a lot of people for a long time, you have to have something that is sustainable. You have to have something that is going to be consistent across the board because yeah. the, the, you know even the MSOs that are operating now and they're operating from state to state to state I mean just the fact that they have to do something different here 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 and here I mean how do you keep up with that and be profitable the overhead's got to be tremendous well, right. And, and going back to your point about, you know, people who are medical patients, suppose you are going to different states where your card has reciprocity, you can use it, let's say in Nevada or elsewhere, and they have vastly different or no testing standards. I mean, for a while, we have some states that weren't testing at all, or there were, I think New Jersey was testing at the state level. I mean, you just got have all these different uh, scenarios where people can get really inconsistent uh, product because every state is a sovereign nation, as we often say on this podcast. And uh, well, yeah, that, that and makes it, it difficult for the end user. It, it does really. And, you know, at one point in my life, I was excited when I was down in Washington, DC, and I saw some truck 
uh, was like an ice cream truck or something that somebody converted into a gifting station, right? So yeah. you, that was the that was the deal. That's still the deal down there, actually. To be honest with you, right? Here, if I give you five dollars, you're going to give me a gift, or let's say fifty, because if nothing's five dollars. Here's fifty dollars, and I'm going to have my gift. And I take my gift, and wow, this is awesome. I now have a brownie. I have no idea what I just got. I could have this could be crack. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea what I just got. I was just so excited that I saw something that was, it looked official and it looked like it was something like, wow, I can finally get, you know, a, an edible somewhere. But now that I've been in this industry and I've joined the, the Pennsylvania program and things like that, and I look and I see the date it was tested, the THC percentage, the CBD percentage, all the different things that as a consumer, you want to know. So I'm 45 year old, 45 years old now. I've got four kids. My days of just taking something from a window of a former Mr. Softy, you know, have to come to an end, <laughs> you know, but it'll be important that, you know, from state to state, you know, if you, if you want to have these boutique things, if you want to have people, at least there's got to be some kind of vendor license or something that yep. says you have to have this tested by these accredited official labs, or you're just another knockoff. You know, this is like, uh, you know, selling fake bags or something like that. You got to be real careful with that. So I did yeah. off on a little diatribe, but I just, it reminded me, I was so excited that I think they still played the music on the Mr. Softy truck or whatever. whatever <laughs> yeah. It connotes a whole different thing now than it did when we were kids. So, uh, yeah. now in terms of, um, standards and industry formation, I'm just trying to get a sense. And I think I know the answer, but do, do standards, lead the industry or are they a lagging indicator? Like, you know, are you trying to catch up with the industry or are you ahead of the industry as it's forming? Now, I, I, I would honestly say it's not ahead of the industry. It comes when new people in industry realize that they can't meet their objectives for production mm. or need, or there's some kind of impediment that's they're experiencing because they don't have the proper whatever it is, what, there's a lot of different things that could drive it, um, but typically industry will, will move, right? Um, and then they'll try to play catch up in, in my experience yeah. with new industries. So established industries like the oil and gas construction, things like that, um, you know, they have a roadmap, they have plans, they have years and years and decades of, you know, developing consensus-based standards and rules and regulations and things like that. But I can say honestly, from the from being in hundreds of meetings in the cannabis space at this point, the industry has moved so fast, and they've set their own type of standards. They've tried to make their own checklists. They've tried to make their own certifications. They tried to, you know, figure out how to create their own standards development organizations. So, you know, ANSI, the American National Standards Institute, for X amount of money, and if you meet this checklist, you can be a, an accredited standards development organization. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean a whole lot unless you actually can do it, because being a standards development organization is more than just saying, I want to put some pieces of paper together, have a couple of people that you know are friends of mine, and we're going to put something that could potentially uh, go up and be influenced in a CFR or a state reg or you know whatever it is, and then we have a product or service that meets our needs, and it doesn't meet the needs of the entire industry. So right. you have to be real careful in standards development because you get people that try to load the deck because they want a competitive advantage. They want to get to market faster. You know, just imagine changing something 0.5% on something, whatever it is, and the law moved. And you already have your entire 
thing done. You already have the workflow done. Your first mover advantage is huge. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into why people either want standards or don't want standards because you get it on both sides. Right, right. No, that 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 that, that makes uh that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a, a lot of sense. Now, one of the things I, I learned in talking to you and learning about ASTM is if you have good standards and they're broadly adopted, it can actually improve the flow of commerce. And, I, and we talked about this actually, I think, internationally, where you know if the producing country and the receiving country are on, let's say, similar standards, that seems to be a, a recipe for making commerce more frictionless. Is that right? Did, did, is that what can really happen if it works out well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, for example, D37, the Cannabis Committee, um, the standards they push out, it'll be really important from my perspective for ASTM to work with international national standards bodies. Um, we have MOU, Memorandum of Understanding Agreements with over 115 different countries, their national standards bodies. Uh, at this point, I believe. And some of the things that they'll do is they'll take an established ASTM standard and they'll adopt that standard as their national standard. So from my perspective, what the strategy should be and to make sure that the American, um, the American companies that are, are in this industry have the ability to export their products, because that's what's coming next. You know, right now we're talking about state to state, blah, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you think about global commerce and, you know, what people Built, who build you know huge successful businesses they have to be able to export and to be able to export you need that country to be able to import and for them to be able to import there has to be standards that are met and accepted internationally so you know you know what i hope astm will do is work with those national standards bodies partners and really come together and say hey listen we're already doing all this work in this cannabis space it includes hemp it includes this it includes that it includes you know whatever it is why don't you just nationally adopt don't, don't worry about setting up your own committee and doing all that rework or have a committee. Yeah. Cause you're going to need something for your local and all that kind of stuff, but really use these established practices, these standards as the basis of your national standards, you know, that'll do, that'll make sure that the people who are manufacturing here in the United States and are following the rules here, that'll make sure that what's happening and what you're able to export, you know, there, have, there might have to be some changes or tweaks or mm -hmm. whatever it is, but the, the foundation the, the strength of this is being able to have an, a, a strong American industry that's you know capable of exporting their products to multiple countries around the world because everybody's changing. Everybody's realizing that this is going to be um, you know the next three hundred billion dollar industry. Indeed, indeed. Now we talked a lot about partnerships. You're obviously a, a cannabis media subscriber. Yes. How 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 have we been able to help you uh, meet your goals? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, cannabis media, from my perspective, I, I've, I've done a, a lot of research. I've been approached by other organizations that have talked about, we'll get you, you know, the niche things that you're looking for. Because if cannabis is a niche in 148 industries, dig down a couple levels because standards are a micro niche and the people that we need to talk to are even smaller. So, What's been really great is that we've been able to strategically pinpoint the types of organizations that we want to work with. So for example, as we're trying to grow our uh, proficiency testing programs, we have a number of laboratories, 3000, whatever it is at ASTM that partner with us uh, and use our services in the oil and gas space, in the construction space, you know, established industries. 
Um, but what we don't necessarily have is a marketing list for those laboratories in the cannabis space. And I can say that the, the list that you guys have in, in, in cannabis media is fantastic. So we've been able to really uh, incrementally grow some of our programs, specifically targeting the laboratories in your space. And that's a tremendous value from my perspective. I'm, I'm the vice president of marketing uh, and sales at ASTM. And you know, growing, growing this business is tough because people are still learning why it's important to, to use standards. So as we're advocating and we're educating, you know, we have to be able to find the right people to give them this information because they just don't know. You know, a lot of people just don't know. You know, new lab managers are coming in, they're brand new, and they might not know all of the things that you know, they could be offering their staff for efficiency and improvements and, and competitive advantage to your, you know, in the marketplace. Excellent. So, Jim, you've been through this process before in other industries. You've seen the dynamics of how standards are developed, evolved, and adopted. What advice would you have for our listeners in terms of what they, what you see coming next? Like, you know, sort of the, the crystal ball question. Like, what do the next couple of years look like from the from the standards perspective, and and how will they impact the the industry over that time? Yeah, you know, um, my 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 phrase lately, and for a lot of things, is evolution, not revolution. Yeah. Uh, and you know what I what I'm what I'm seeing in the standard space is I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that we as a community will take the opportunity to go across the aisle, so to speak, and make sure we all know what's happening. Um, and you know, this is when we talked the other day. I mentioned to you the the need for. Uh, a non-denominational type space uh, to be able to communicate with multiple standards, multiple stakeholders, multiple uh, you know, government agencies. And this is where the, uh, the cannabis forum came in uh, that uh, my wife actually started uh, last year. Um, it's, what is it? Thecannabisforum.org. And, and really what it is, it was put together um, just like the standards technology forum that she started about five years ago. Um, there's an advisory council that she's putting together of different stakeholders. So uh, the, the standards technology forum that we have has an advisory council of standards development organizations and national standards bodies. So we have ASTM, we have AFNOR, we have ISO, we have BSI, we have ASME. Um, there's a number of other INOR, NEN, you know, in Netherlands. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, international representation on that advisory council for the standards technology forum. And what we're going to do is do the same type of thing for the cannabis forum. So we're hopeful that uh, other organizations in this space like UL, uh, ISO, you know, ASTM, um, IES, whoever, we can invite them to be part of the advisory council. Then we can actually also invite other organizations, uh, people that are dealing with regulation, people that are dealing with um, you know, state rules and the departments of weights and measures and things like that, because you know, as a 501c3 not-for-profit, uh, it's tough for us to be able to talk to certain people because um, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not supposed to lobby. We're not a lobbying organization. So we have to educate the best we can, um, but in a, in, a, in a non-denominational space, it'll be good to bring together everybody because, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with an agency, you're dealing with them as that organization. So ASTM deals with USP, ASTM deals with USDA. And what we don't know is what everybody else is doing. I mean, you know, the problem that we have is that we're kind of in our way. We're in our own way for being, to getting this thing done faster 
because there's so many people with so many different agendas and so many different stakeholders and things like that. But my only hope with the cannabis forum is that we can just get some stuff on a whiteboard. And if you're working in that space, maybe we can partner. If you're not working in that space, we'll do it. Like, let's just, let's take an all hands on deck approach to this, because if we don't, as an industry, something's going to happen. I told you this the other day, Ed, something's going to happen, uh, God forbid, but rules and regulations will be forced down upon the industry unless we figure out how to do it and work together, um, you know, before that happens. Yeah. Oh, that's a good ending point because it's one of those things like if, if you're not part of the process, the decision is going to be made for you and nobody likes to be on the receiving end uh, of that. Yeah. And there's still people that don't believe that's going to happen. <laughs> I just, well, you know, uh, you know, what's today's date, February 28th, 2022. I don't want to have a, and I told you so moment, uh, you know, with anybody, but I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So volunteer, be part of it. You know, that's, that's why the ASCM committee, you know, with 1200 members, I mean, it's, it was awesome to see. It's just staggering to see the, the, the interest in this industry. Well, excellent. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Uh, I've learned a lot today, and I'm sure our, our listeners have as well. And uh, you know, you heard it here first. It, it, it's 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 coming down the pike. It's just really a, a matter of of when. So, um, you know, thanks again for being on the podcast. I'm your host Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.